Hello everybody, Father Robert Spitzer here again, uh, this time talking to you about uh, the proof for um, a transphysical soul that can survive bodily death. Um, we're just in this video going to talk about two empirically validatable instances uh, of uh, that soul, that transphysical soul, uh, from the first peer-reviewed medical studies of near-death experiences, and secondly from the phenomenon called terminal lucidity. Uh, I'm going to just start with the, uh, the near-death experiences and uh, uh, begin with this comment. Near-death experiences, there are a lot of anecdotal stories uh, about this, and, and there, many of them are no doubt true. Uh, but what we really need is more than anecdotal stories. We need really good, controlled studies that have, you know, suitable parameters, statistical uh, uh, methods, and, and of course, uh, as importantly, uh, scientific validation of the conclusions by independent researchers after the fact. Now there are several of these very good uh, stu medical studies and they're reported very importantly in peer-reviewed medical or scientific journals. I'll just give you a couple of instance, uh, instances of them. Uh, you can take a look at them for yourself. Uh, the first one is the Pim van Lommel study. He and several uh, doctors uh, in Holland carried out a, a very uh, nice longitudinal study reported in Britain's Lancet. Uh, the Lancet is the most prestigious medical journal in uh, Great Britain. Uh, and uh, secondly, uh, we have um, Samuel Parnia, Dr. Samuel Parnia, and uh, about uh, seven or eight of his uh, colleagues who carried out uh, a study of 2,060 patients over multiple years uh, in multiple places. Uh, the study was uh, organized out of the University of Southampton uh, in uh, Great Britain, and that's reported in the peer-reviewed medical journal uh, resuscitation. There are many other studies that are done you can also refer to. If you want the information for this please go to our second, I'm sorry, to our first module in um, uh, the series Seven Essential Modules. Uh, as I've said previously uh, you just go to our website CredibleCatholic.com just click on the big red button that says Seven Essential Modules and go to the first module called The Proof of a Soul from Near-Death Experiences, etc. Okay, let's just get to what do these studies report and uh, what is the, uh, um, the upshot of, of the evidence. First, the studies report that um, about 20% of adults and about 85% of children who undergo clinical death will have one of these near-death experiences. So what uh, uh, is a clinical death? Uh, that means flat EEG where there's no electrical activity in the, brain, in the cerebral cortex, also fixed and dilated pupils and no gag reflex, right? So basically you've got almost no electrical activity in the lower brain, just a, a sputtering of a few neurons uh, that, that, uh, that lead to uh, you know, maybe some electrical voltage that's there, but nothing that can conduct any conscious activity any sight, any hearing, any memory, or anything of that nature. So a person effectively is brain dead. Um, and uh, at that juncture, th this transphysical soul leaves the body. 
And when it leaves the body, uh, it basically hovers generally over the body in the operating room or at the accident site. They, it hovers over the physical body and begins to observe everything that's going on in the area. This, by the way, this uh, transphysical soul can actually see, it can hear, it, it seems to have some kind of extension, uh, a sense of embodiment, uh, but it is not constrained by physical laws. It can go through walls, it can defy gravity and elevate itself whenever it wishes, and furthermore, it's conscious. It has all of its memories intact from its earthly or bodily life, and furthermore, it can remember new data that is actually taking place during the time when the transphysical soul is seeing and thinking, not the physical body. So this phenomenon, it happens, right? The, it, it leaves uh, the physical body for a while, and of course, we get a lot of data that it really has done so from what we call veridical studies. Just hold on to that for a moment and I'll finish the description. In some of the cases, uh, maybe in about 30% of the cases, the, uh, the, uh, this transphysical soul does not just stay in the operating room or at the accident site. It actually goes over to another beautiful domain. And in this uh, very, very beautiful domain, uh, you know, a heavenly domain, uh, it's described as, uh, they see deceased relatives and friends. And they, you know, frequently talk to these deceased relatives and friends. Some of them they have never met before. Finally, many people uh, see um, a, a bright, loving white light that they describe as either Jesus Christ or as God. And it, this intensely loving white light, uh, you know, uh, uh, kind of, uh, you know, tells them not only about themselves, but also tells them of the love and the perfection that awaits them uh, in their uh, real death that is, that is to come later. Uh, some, a lot of children see Jesus as he would have looked in a physical body. So what you have then is, is a remarkably similar set of phenomena that happen to people. So how do we know this is really taking place and that physicalist explanations really don't work? Well, the, the first thing is there's tons of what we call veridical data, unique events that are taking place while the patient is clinically dead. And those unique events, the patient comes back into their body and they report this to independent researchers who look to see whether these, in fact, these events actually trans, uh, transpired precisely as the patient has described them. It is amazing how often, 88% of the time, patients describe perfectly accurately unique data that happened to them. A lady will pass right through the walls of the hospital, and of course, uh, she will see a tennis shoe or something of that nature sitting there on the third floor ledge of the hospital. She's facing the hospital, looking at it from the outside, looking at the wall, and she sees the shoe on the ledge down below. It has a, a shoelace tucked under the heel and a worn left toe, and of course, she comes back and she reports this to the researchers. Uh, one of the researchers from Melvin Morse actually crawled literally out on the ledge and found the tennis shoe there exactly as reported. I mean, how did she know unless she was actually out of her body seeing, hearing, thinking, remembering, etc. Similarly, you know, Mr. So-and-so, we, we lost your dentures. No, you didn't. Actually, the nurse with the red hair pulled them out of my mouth before 
this uh, operation took place and she uh, opened up a, a, a drawer underneath a machine that looks just like this, slammed the dentures into the drawer. If you go down to the operating room uh, and just look in one of those drawers under a machine that looks like this, you'll find my dentures. Sure enough, there they are. The man goes right through the, the, the wall of the waiting room and reports on the entire conversation of relatives speak always kindly of the dead because of course they speak uh, very precisely of, of what is taking place in the waiting room. My point is there's plenty of data that shows that people actually can report 100% accurately what is taking place while they're clinically dead. There's no electrical activity in the brain. But the really important thing to see too is that 81% of, of people, of blind people, excuse me, blind people, many of whom, most of whom were blind from birth, According to the Kenneth Ring, Dr. Kenneth Ring's study, he and several colleagues studied blind uh, people who had uh, near-death experiences. And you can see that these blind people have no possibility of conjuring a visual image. They've never had one. Blind people have a sense of spatiality that is non-visual. It's very different from sighted people. And th 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 these blind people actually report accurate visual veridical data, scenes on the outside. In fact, we have lots of videos uh, embedded into those modules in our very first module, um, the seven essential modules. There's little videos embedded in there that show uh, you know, people reporting these scenes who have been blind from birth. How are you going to explain this by hallucination? If you don't have a visual image in your mind, you're not going to explain it by hallucination. You're not going to explain it by anoxia, the lack of oxygen. You're not going to explain it by morphine. There's no physical explanation can't explain how a blind person person can actually do this. So what's my point? My point is uh, simply that there seems to be a considerable amount of real good evidence uh, from near-death experiences that we do have a transphysical soul. That transphysical soul in turn is, is uh, uh, able to report uh, this uh, vertical data. It's able to see, to hear, to think, to remember, and, and, and even to defy the laws of physics. And that transphysical body frequently goes to a heavenly domain, encounters Jesus, encounters a white light, encounters deceased relatives and friends. This really does impact our young people. But let me get to a second area really quickly with you. Uh, it's called the phenomenon of terminal lucidity. As you probably know, uh, people who have you know severe um, mental challenges uh, in, in their lives from birth uh, generally have uh, you know uh, some uh, atrophied uh, uh, brain development or uh, atrophied uh, uh, you know brains uh, brain tissue or uh, a, a sort of a challenged uh, brain development, and uh, these individuals, particularly Alzheimer's patients or severely demented patients, right, where essentially we have MRI. Of, of the brain that is just filled with amyloid pl uh, plaques and, and, and you know similarly uh, has shrunk to uh, you know a fraction of its former size. These people are incapable of thinking with their physical brains. And uh, what happens? What happens is that about maybe one week to one hour before they die, these individuals actually wake up 
and you know, in the case of a severely demented dementia, uh, a severely uh, a dementia uh, uh, patient or uh, an Alzheimer's patient, right? It, we we see that the person wakes up and they're doing things they haven't been able to do for five years. They're absolutely lucid, terminal lucidity. They're lucid. They're planning their funeral. They're talking about what happened to them while they were in almost a comatose state and had lost their seemingly lost their faculties. They didn't lose their faculties. They didn't lose their soul. They didn't lose their consciousness the whole time they were just simply they lost their brain and they lost their brain function but they were still thinking still conscious still hearing still aware of God still functioning and they get up they do funeral plans talk about religion talk about what they had seen talk about their wills and they look perfectly lucid and, and you just go how can this be they, they still don't have a brain to think with how in the world are they not only conscious but they are lucid in their consci consciousness and in their intelligence. And of course, again, we're pointing to the same explanation as we saw with near-death experiences, a transphysical manifestation of consciousness which survives bodily death. You know, when we look at the Catholic, you know, Catholics can believe anything they want about evolution. And we talk about this with the kids in, in one of the episodes. So long as Catholics believe that God has made a unique transphysical soul, created a tr unique transphysical soul for every human being. And why do we take that out of the evolutionary process? Because a transphysical soul is not physical. And an evolutionary process is a physical, organic process. A transphysical soul completely transcends that process, therefore, and therefore you're going to need a transphysical cause for that soul. And so what we are indicating to the kids is, hey, this is a perfectly acceptable requirement for all Catholics. We can believe whatever we like in evolution so long as the evidence is there. What the real thing is, is do we, we also have to believe in a transphysical soul and the evidence is in. There is significant amount of evidence for that transphysical soul from terminal lucidity, from near-death experiences, and of course a host of other things that we discuss in the very first module of our series, um, uh, IncredibleCatholic.com. So once again, a reminder, if you want to bring, uh, just review yourself or, or bring the kids to CredibleCatholic.com, uh, just click on that red button and just uh, go to the first module on the proof of a soul. Uh, your kids can see it, you can see it. And by the way, you can download all seven modules free of charge and you can show it to your class. You can also call us here at the Modus Center. Just simply give us a call, 949-271-2727 and give us a call and ask for the seven essential modules or training for the seven essential modules and we can bring you that training free of charge. I thank you so much for your attention. This is really important. It really helps our kids to maintain their faith. More to come. Thanks for being with me. Bob, Father Bob Spitzer, over and out.